Jamie's got a word this morning. Yes, give God praise. Jamie's got a word this morning. And I just got to tell you, not only am I excited to hear what God has been speaking to him, but I'm excited because in the climate of our church, God has been doing something in the moment very specific. And I think that he is just continuing that this morning. So with all that said, our pastor is good. Let's pray for just rest over him. He's going to rest right now, knowing that the Lord is going to speak to us today. And can we give God praise for our good friend, Jamie Wireman? Yes, sir. Thank you, buddy. Amen. Thank you so much. Well, you guys can be seated thank you worship team for leading us through that part of the worship service I always remind everybody you know everything that we do in church is worship a lot of people will say well during the worship part of the service no it's all worship from prayer to singing songs about him to receiving the offering uh, everything is worship you sit and listen to the preacher preach follow along in your notes it's all worship and i'm thankful every time i'm able to come out to the house of god and worship him so let's go ahead and get into the word here but before we do let's pray father we thank you in advance this morning for what you're going to do in this place and in people's lives. Holy Spirit, you're the preacher, you're the teacher, you're the revelator, you're the communicator this morning of all truth. And we thank you for what uh, is going to take place in the people's hearts and, and lives here today. We know so many people are gathered here today for you to worship you and to serve you. And we thank you, Father, for showing yourself a mighty in this place this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning or you're following along um, with uh, any instrument you might have, instrument light, I call it, uh, turn with me to Genesis chapter 26. And I want to start off by saying God is good. He's faithful and he keeps his promises. And you know, a lot of people, they have their own theologies and some of them think God is bad, and he does bad things. They believe that God will give you cancer, that God will make you sick, that he'll make you poor, that he won't you have any money. I just want to tell you this morning that's a lie from the pits of hell. Amen. You want my theology? Amen. God good, Amen. devil bad. <laughs> so easy a caveman can understand it. You see, Jesus doesn't have to be the author of something to be the Lord of it. Once you understand, whenever the devil tries to ruin your life with some kind of sickness, disease, maybe cancer or whatever it might be, God will use it to the good. And God's so good at using it to the good that it a lot of times looks like he's the one that started in the first place whenever he didn't. But if we walk into a lot of churches today, what will we see? If it's a spirit-filled, Bible-believing church, you'll see rows and rows of smiling faces. You'll see people with their hands raised, and they look like they're just living from one victory to the next. But after pastoring for over 10 years and being in ministry for over 30 years, I can tell you looks can be deceiving sometimes. People, you know, they, they might look good on the outside, but on the inside, I'm telling you what, they're a mess. Those people smiling, they may be standing up on the outside, but they're sitting down on the inside, and they've got tears in their eyes, and they're discouraged, and they've been beaten down by disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. They've been hurt. They've been rejected. And some people have faced so many tragedies, so many failures in their lives that they've given up all their hopes and dreams. You can see the devil has come to them and 
And he's told them time and time again, you're finished. Your life is over. You have no future. Do those words sound familiar to you? No doubt they do because he speaks it to every one of us. I don't care who you are. You can be a pastor. You can be a prophet. You can be a lay member. You can be a member of the congregation. It don't matter. He treats us all the same. And the devil, he's, he tells us that at every stage in every age of our life. See, you may have thought that you, you know, just sitting around seeing all kinds of smiling faces around you, and you may have thought that you were all alone, and you felt like you was the only one that was a failure, and you was the only one that was going through something, but I can assure you, you are not alone. And if you look in the Bible, you'll see that the devil has always been at work. He's used all past disappointments and, and all present adversities to pressure every great man and woman of God. Now, how does those heroes, I will call them of faith, handle that pressure? What did they do whenever they're going through something and things are, are going wrong in their life? They picked up their shovel and they dug another well. And if you want to know exactly what I'm talking about, look with, at, at Isaac, the story of Isaac in Genesis chapter 26. And during his lifetime, I want you to understand this, Isaac experienced one setback after another, after another. He was mistreated, he was rejected, he was robbed of his own accomplishments, but whenever it was all said and done, he came out on top. He finished a winner, and if you will follow his examples that we talk about today, no matter how bad your situation may look like right now, you will too. And if they say, oh, Brother Jamie, you don't know how bad my situation is. You don't know how rotten the circumstance is right now in my life. Maybe not, but I doubt it was as bad as Isaac's. Genesis chapter 26, let's look at 1 through 3, and then verse 6. It says, Now there was famine in the land. And besides the previous famine in Abraham's time, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar, and the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. And verse 3 says, He stayed in this land for a while, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore unto your father Abraham. And then verse 6 says, Isaac stayed there. Now personally, I've never been in famine, but I've seen pictures. I've read books about it. And I know enough to know that it was desperate times. And I'm sure Isaac, he, he wanted to go back and he wanted to get out of that place. I'm sure in the natural, he wanted to run to a land like Egypt, which at that time had plenty to eat. It, but Isaac didn't do that. No, no, no. Isaac, instead, he obeyed God's voice. He listened to what the Spirit was telling him. So whenever the storms of life comes and they are beating against your door, what do you do? I always love to ask people questions, make them think. So what do you do whenever you're facing something in your life? See, it's not easy to listen to the voice of God whenever things are hectic, whenever it seems like everything's going wrong. It's easy to start thinking on your own, right? You start thinking like, what am I going to do? How am I going to fix this situation? But if we want to be victorious in life, if we want to get through what we're going through, we got to go to God and we got to get His instructions. We got to get uh, turn away from what the world is telling us and and the solutions that they are giving us. We need to tune into that still small voice of God. Isaac knew that voice, and you know it too. But to hear it, you must take the time to listen. You got to clear out all the things of the world and get into the presence of the Lord. And if you'll do that, he reveal the steps to take. Now, how does this mean that you're not going to have any problems and everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows and just white puffy clouds and on, on a perfect day? Of course not. Let's look at verse 12 through 16. And Isaac planted crops in the land 
in the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. And the man became rich, and his wealth continued to grow until he came very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servant had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up filling them with earth. And then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us. You have become too powerful for us. You see, Isaac trumped over one obstacle just to run slap dab right into another obstacle. But he prospered greatly despite famine, the Bible says. You see, Isaac was doing so good that the Philistines got jealous and plugged up their wells. Hmm. People don't get jealous when you do good, do they? Come on, when you get a promotion, whenever you get a raise or you come into some money or something good happens, people don't get jealous, do they? <laughs> you better believe it. But this is what happened here. Now, we need to understand that a well was a very significant thing back in these days. To these people, it meant everything. A well was literally life or death. So you can imagine what a blow it must have been as Isaac, as he gets up one morning and he goes down to the well, you know, he's going to fix him some coffee, got him some Folgers. I don't drink coffee, so I don't know what you drink. And he's going to fix him something, and he goes, and he puts his dipper down in there, and all he draws out is sand, mud. Do you think he was disappointed? Without a doubt. He was disappointed. His natural supply had been cut off. He was being forced to leave his own home. He was forced to because of jealousy and vindictive people. Yet Isaac did not quit. Even in the face of seeming defeat, he still heard God's words. I believe there was a ringing in his years. And Isaac, I believe he could assure, Isaac, I will be with thee. Isaac, I will bless thee. He dug down into the covenant with God and found the faith to go on. So Isaac, in verse 17, departed and pitched his tent in Gur. So I, I want you to see this. I could just see Isaac talking to, out loud to himself. You ever been there before something go on? You know, and you just, you're pacing the floor, and you just start, you know, if you're full of word, whatever, whatever's in you is going to come out whenever you're facing something difficult. And I could just see him just pacing, you know, and, and talking out loud. God gave me these wells. He'll give me more. He took care of me before. He'll take care of me again. Amen? In verse 18, it says, Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died, and he gave them the same names his father had given them. Verse 19, Isaac's servant dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. Instead of sitting down and crying and sounding like a character on Hee Haw, how I many grew up and watched Hee Haw? Oh, woe is me doomed despair and agony on me come on that's how we get sometime right but instead of him saying oh woe is me Isaac he picked up his shovel and he dug another well Amen. and sure enough Isaac found water but the battle wasn't over yet you know, verse 20 through 22 over and over again he would dig a well and then someone would just come along and they would take it from him but when they did that the Bible says he removed there and he, he just went on he departed he left the past behind just like Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians 13 he kept his eyes on the future and never looked back Here's the thing God is speaking to us today. He said we need to have our faith forward. We need to keep looking forward to what God has for us in our lives and what's going to go on. So he kept right on digging. You see, if you, if you want to finish in life and if you want to be a winner, you got to follow Isaac's example. Don't ever look back at the wells that's been covered up. Don't sit around crying about the past disappointments and failures in your life. Instead, we got to move on with God. we got to pick up our shovels of faith and dig another well. we got to dig for the living waters. we got to dig for the answers, dig for health, dig for healing, dig for uh, salvations in our family. 
Dig for prosperity. We got to keep digging. And sure, the devil will come along, no doubt, and put sand in our wells like he has before. He'll do it again. But if you will just keep on following God, if you will obey his voice, you will be successful and you will succeed. If we'll just get into the presence of God and obey his instructions, you'll get great victories. People will marvel and ask, how in the world did you achieve that? How did you get where you are right now today? And you just say, I just picked up my shovel and dug another well. Now, going back to verse 18, it says, And Isaac dug again the wells of the water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And he called the wells by the names which his father had called them. Notice what he said. It said that he dug again, that Isaac dug again. I love that. He dug in the days of Abraham the father. Isaac dug again the wells of water. Someone might say, well, Jamie, you're talking about, you know, taking a shovel and, and digging, but I only have a spoon of faith this morning. Well, I'm praying today that God will supernaturally transform that spoon into a shovel this morning so that you can redig those wells that God has for you that he wants you to open up for you and your home. Yeah. We need to understand that these wells uh, have living water that will refresh us, that will revive us in times of need. So the Bible says that the Philistines, that's the enemy of God's people, stopped up, clogged up, filled up, uh, the wells with dirt. And translations say earth, but we're talking about dirt here. So there was no way that a new generation, Isaac generation, and his generation to go get the waters of the father Abraham in his generation that, that they had dug. Are you following me? Yeah. So think about it. Put yourself... Back in Bible days, you see, a, a well is a pit, or it's a hole that is sunken into the earth that provides water, right? In other words, you can't get to the water unless you get down into the hole. And I come to tell you today that if you are find yourself this morning in a hole, if you are in a low place, you are closer than the water than you have ever been before. Wells were important in the Bible. They were hard to come by. They were hard to dig in ancient times. We think of digging a well now. We just get a drill and we just do it, right? But we have modern technology. They didn't have that back in their day, especially in the climate that they had. But it was a matter of life and death. They had to find water. And if you could find a well, you became a very wealthy man in Bible days. A well of water would be like having an oil well today. So Abraham began to dig for the waters, and he struck it. But he understood that the time, and he understood that the energy, and the expense that he was putting into this well, that he was digging for this well, was not only for him, but for his wife, and for his generations. But Abraham stood that he understood that he was digging a well for his son Isaac. He was digging a well for the next generation, his son, uh, his grandson Jacob, and for future generations. See Proverbs thirteen verse twenty two tells us a good man leaves inheritance for his children's children. Another way we could say that this morning is a good church leaves inheritance for their children's church. In other words, you don't just need a good church, but your children are going to need a good church someday. Amen. And your children's children and your children's children's children one day will need a good church. So we need to make sure that we're on fire, that we're spirit-filled church in our city to reach people for Jesus. And the thing that I love most about the well here, Abraham, he dug it so that, you know, it could be, it had been around for hundreds of, of, of years. And the wells of water that are here at this church, I pray, will continue to flow a long time just like his wells. Because there's a good chance that those of you who are here, your children's going to be drinking from this well. And your grandchildren's going to be drinking from this well. 
and so on and so forth, right on down the line. And I believe God's dream for this church is that it will go from generation to generation, from glory to glory, to faith to faith, that this church will be continue to love God and the truth and live it that will secure a well for next generation. Now look back at verse 18. The Bible says that Abraham died, and this is a key here. The Philistines waited around until Abraham died, and they filled up the wells with dirt. The water was still flowing, but the enemy blocked it. The enemy barricaded it. And they said, now that Abraham's gone, we can just go in and, and, you know, we couldn't do it while he was living, but now that he's dead, now that he's gone, we can go in and, and we can stop that up. Now that he's dead, this new generation won't defend it. So we'll go in and we'll throw some dirt on it and we'll drive the next generation out. And what I want you to understand is, as soon as he died, the enemy worked to cover up everything that he had accomplished in his life. Amen. So Abraham, the old patriarch, he dies. And sometimes I just believe that the devil just sits around waiting for some of the elders, for some of the grandmas, for some of the grandpas. He's waiting around for some of the moms and dads, uh, as some of the family members to die out because they're committed, because they've got the living water, and they have the love and the power of the Holy Spirit. But the enemy knows that as soon as they die out, that, that they, they can come in and, and the drill, the well will then dry up. They just come in and pour dirt on it. Yeah. See, the enemy wants to dirty up the water this morning. Yeah. They can dirty it up. They want to dirty up the worship. They want to dirty up the, the doctrine. But I believe God has churches and pastors that are determined that our church will drink from the same water that we're drinking from. Yeah. They don't need some watered-down power of the Holy Spirit. They don't need some dirty water that's mixed with the world. What they need is one drink of the living water, and they'll never thirst again. We need and we must have an Isaac generation that will get a shovel and let the enemy know that you're not going to take away everything that the previous generation attained for us. Because I'm telling you right now, the devil would just love that whenever all us old whiteheads are dead and gone, for things to change in our families. He's doing everything he can to stop what God is doing. And over in Joshua, the Bible says that there arose another generation who knew not God or his mighty acts. We're in danger under the times that we're living in, but, but I know the power of God, and I'm determined that the wells that I've dug will continue to flow into my children. Amen. So the Bible said that they covered up all the wells that Abraham named, and Isaac redug those wells, and he didn't change their names. And I'm saying to you today that whenever you understand what I'm preaching, there are some things that we don't need to change the name of. The name of the wells represented somebody in the family who dug them, and they would name that well after that person. And somewhere, I'm telling you right now, in your family roots, there was a mother, there was a father, there was a grandparent, there was an aunt, maybe an uncle, there was somebody that dug a well, and now they're in heaven, and their name is on that well, and that's why you are sitting here in church right now. That's why you can't walk in sin because of what they did in their life while they were here on earth. And that's why you're sitting here right now today. And maybe the devil's thrown some sand and some dirt into your well. But if you will just start reaching out for God, I'm telling you, if you'll just get that spoon and you'll say, God, I'm going to do some digging this week. I know there's some water here. And before you know it, slosh, I'm telling you, you'll be walking in the, the river that your granny prayed for. Amen. It's still there. Healing is still there. 
Revival is still there. Family household salvations is still there. And I don't care how messed up your kids may seem they are right now, no matter how far they might seem from God right now, there is a well in your house and somebody dug it. And if you will dig it again, you're going to hit water. I'm telling you right now. Because here's the thing, there's only two destinations that you're headed for in eternity. It's either heaven or it's either hell. Listen, I'm not going to rename it to be politically correct like a lot of churches are doing today. I'm not going to preach some cool whip gospel. You're either going to heaven or you're either going to hell. You're either living right or you're either living wrong. You're either a hypocrite or you're either a sold-out Christian. There, there's no in-between. There's no middle ground. Jesus said, I wish you were hot or I wish you were cold, but if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Listen, I'm not mad. I don't hate you. I love you enough to tell you the truth. You don't have the luxury of not going to church, not worshiping God in the 21st century. Demons are coming after your family. And we've got to turn that spoon into a shovel, and we've got to dig the wells for our family. Listen, the Bible says, despise not the days of small things. I've been preaching a long time, and I know the Bible all right. And I'll tell you, I have to sacrifice. I can't lean on nothing in the past. I can't go on no anointing from the past. All I can do is take the spoon and turn that into a shovel and say, God, get the dirt out. God, get the earth out. Get the carnality out of my life. Get the flesh out and fill me again because I'm not just digging for me, but I'm digging for my children and my children's children. And I'm telling you right now, we talked about it Wednesday night. They've got to feel this. You can't give them your experience. They've got to have an experience. Our children have got to experience this or it won't be real to them. And here's the thing. God will never take what you don't want, but he'll ask you for what you love. I'm going to let that sink in. I'm going to say it again. God will never take what you don't want but he will ask you for what you love. See, God's not your garbage collector. God's not the goodwill. You know, where you go and you give your time and you give your money and you give them anything that's left over. He don't want your leftovers. In this church, this is not a massage parlor where you come in and the pastor massages and make you feel good. There might be places out there like that, but I pray this place never gets that way. This is a place where it requires, to be a Christian, it requires sacrifice. It requires you taking a shovel, getting to work, and saying, I'm getting the dirt out. I'm getting my own carnality out. I'm going to sacrifice to God. Yeah. And Jesus said, when I come back, listen to this question, he said, when I come back, why I still find faith in the earth? Amen. In other words, he's saying, will anybody be preaching healing anymore? Will they be using anointing oil? Will they be laying hands on the sick? Will anybody be preaching the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Will anybody be speaking in tongues? Will anybody be prophesying? Will anybody be uh, preaching miracles, signs, and wonders following? Or will the church just be a bunch of professional pretty boys? Paul said, I do not come with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I come in demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost. It's what we need desperately in the church. So we got to grab our shovels and begin to dig because life as you know it is about to change. Listen, we are moving into the most, I believe, and we're entering into it right now, the most prophetically charged hour that this generation has ever seen. In this current time, this current hour that we're in, I believe that the church his church, I'm let that sink in just a minute. His church is being invited into a particular movement and what could be the most monumental move of God that this earth has ever seen. 
I believe there's an activation. I believe there's an acceleration that's taking place in the realm of the spirit right now. Even as we speak, there is a, a movement of God that is over the earth, and he's waiting for somebody just to come in agreement with him. The, this agreement comes from the house of God so that we can begin to see the things manifest that the Holy Spirit has put on our hearts. How many understand today that our nation is filled with anxiety? It's filled with unrest. It's filled with turmoil. There's chaos. There's disorder. The winds of uncertainty are blowing, and nothing seems stable anymore. Everything around us seems to be shaking. The tensions that we're feeling right now in this atmosphere comes to us as a prophetical indication that we're, we're, we're pointing to the, the reality that we're, we could be in for greater days. Hebrews 12 says that everything that can be shaken will be shaken, but we have received the kingdom of God that cannot be shaken. I don't know if you understand this or not, but everything around us has been shaken to the very core. Everything that we thought that was secure, everything that we thought would last forever, has fallen. But we as followers of Christ, we live in a kingdom, I'm telling you, that cannot be shaken. The hour that we're living in is pregnant with a prophetic fulfillment. Listen to what I'm saying this morning. Something is trying to be born. Something is trying to emerge. Something is trying to enter and rise in this earth. And Jesus talked about it over in Matthew 24. He said there'd be roar, uh, rumors of wars, and there'd be earthquakes, and there'd be pestilences, and there'd be famines. And he said it's not yet the end. Jesus was saying it's the beginning. It's birth pains. Something is trying to emerge. Something is trying to be born in this earth. And I believe that the power of God is about to release an anointing over this earth that the world has never seen before. And I believe our greatest days are in front of us, not behind us. I believe that the kingdom of this world shall become the kingdom of our God. So we need to grab our shovels of faith, and we need to get ready for what God has for us. Because I believe after all that we've been through the last couple of years, after all the disappointments, after all the fears and all the failures, I mean, from pandemics to murder hornets to whatever you want to name it, you name it, it has happened. After all the highs and lows that we've been through, one of the things that God has been speaking to me is that we've got to move forward. Too many people are stuck. Too many people are paralyzed. Too many people are, are just numb. Come on. Hebrews 11.6 tells us without faith it's impossible to please God. Can I just say that's a bold statement? Now, I didn't say it. God said it. If I said it, I would probably say, without faith, it's unlikely to please God. <laughs> without faith, it's hard to please God. Without faith, it might be difficult to please God. But this says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Verse 10 says, he, Abraham, was looking forward. Someone say forward. To the city with the foundation whose architect and builder is God. Abraham was looking forward to a city with a foundation. Right now there's a lot of people looking forward to cities. They're looking forward to nations. They're looking at governments with no foundations. Can I tell you, the government, our government, as much as you might love the United States like I do, they don't have the answers. But we as a kingdom citizens are looking forward to a city whose builder and maker is God and the foundations are Jesus Christ itself. Abraham was looking forward. Now just keep hearing that phrase over and over again. You need to look forward to it. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm looking forward to it. You see, there's a lot of people that's not looking forward to it. They see things like, Oh, I'm not looking forward to the rest of 2023. Oh, I'm not looking forward to what I got to do next week. Oh, I'm not looking forward to the things that's going to happen. But I hear God saying, 
You need to look forward to it. You need to be looking forward to everything that God has for you this year. Because I come to tell you, I has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of man the things which God has, has prepared for those who love him. Amen. I'm telling you, if you look forward, God has some amazing things to reveal in your life. Amen. From the beginning of 2023 to the end of this year, listen, he was saying... That where you're headed, it's not going to look like where you came from. Amen. Yeah. Are you following me? Too many people, we just keep going around in the, the same dysfunctional path, and we keep wandering around in, in our own little wilderness. And we wonder why in the world things are not changing. I mean, you've been wandering around so many times doing the same thing over and over again. By the time you get to the other side, you don't even recognize what it looks like, that you've just going, been going around in circles like... Here's the thing. If you're driving a vehicle, and watch this. If what you see behind you looks like what you see ahead of you, it's not your promise. It's your past. You've got to quit looking back in the rearview mirror because you steer where you stare. So if we're staring backwards, you're going to end up crashing your life. So i got... News for you. Anybody in your single, single ladies, if the guy that you're dating looks like every other loser that you've dated before, he's not your promise. He's your yesterday. Listen, if that job interview that you're going to, if it won't pay the bills, it's probably not God's prophecy over your life. It's just another version of what you had yesterday. And I come to tell someone this morning, your future does not look like your past. The rest of 2023 doesn't have to look like 2022. So don't look back because you will end up in the wrong direction. See, people of faith, they know how to interpret things by their faith, not by circumstances. See, a lot of people, they're not living by faith. They're living by frustration. And we got to live by faith. we got to learn to hear the voice of God over every other voice that's speaking into our lives. It sounds so simple, but it's so hard that we don't do it from time to time. And God just wants us to obey his voice without understanding. Did you hear me? God wants us to obey his voice without understanding. Somebody in here today, and the word of the Lord to you is obey. Even when you don't understand. See, if you wait for understanding to obey, you're already in disobedience. See, God's, God never promised that you would have understanding. He promised us his word, and we just obey it. And we may get understanding later or we may not, but either way, by faith, we need to keep moving forward in faith. And as people of faith, we should know how to interpret things by faith, not by circumstances. So I'm not going to look at my circumstances. I'm going to look at what the Bible says. I'm going to look at my promises. I challenge you, find something you're going through right now in your life. There's multiple verses in the Bible that you can find to cover whatever you're going through in your life right now. I promise you that. I've never, in all the years I've pastored and ministered, I've never had somebody come to me and ask a question, I'm going through this right now, I cannot find a scripture, what's a scripture? I've never went in, opened my Bible up and not been able to find them several scriptures to stand on. Amen. So don't look at the circumstances. Look at the promises. We've got to get absorbed in the promise and quit getting absorbed over the past. Philippians 1, verse 20. I didn't give her this one, I don't think, but it's a very powerful scripture. I want you to listen. It says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ 
will be exalted in my body, whether life or death. Paul was saying that he eagerly expects and he eagerly hopes that he will have no shame. The word hope there is translated apokaryadekia. A-P-O-K-A-R-A-D-O-K-I-A. It means to anticipate a certain tomorrow without anxiety. Did you hear me? You have a hope. You have a future. You don't have to have anxiety about it. If you have faith, you can be encouraged and know that it will happen. All you got to do is listen to the voice of God and do the instructions that he tells you to do and not look at the circumstances and situations that's going on in your life right now. Because faith is anticipation minus anxiety. If you're anxious about something right now, I can tell you there's no faith in that. You've got to get so full of the Word of God that you can be going through whatever you're going through and not be anxious about it and know that you can stand on God's Word and see it through. So I encourage you this morning. Listen to God's voice. Don't listen to man. Let's tell you man will fail you. I think the pastor here will back me up. We all sin. Wednesday night when I preached, I shared with them some things that I prayed before I preach. One of the first, the very first thing is I prayed to be clean. Amen. This morning, I got a call, six o'clock. Hey, can you preach? You know what the first thing I did? I prayed. I didn't go like, oh, what can I preach? What can I no, I prayed. And I didn't pray, oh, what am I going to preach? First thing I did was I prayed, God, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of any shortcoming. Forgive me, maybe any things I don't even know about. Because I don't want to be a stumbling block. I don't want anything to hinder the service or your word going forth. Why? Because, newsflash, I'm a man. I'm not perfect. And neither are you. And man will fail you eventually. The church is not perfect. They're going to mess up. I, I pastored two different churches. I can just stand here and say, I messed up several times in decisions. The church is not perfect. If you're looking for a perfect church, you can leave right now. This is not the perfect church. And I can just save you some time. You're not going to find one. But what you got to find is people that love God, that serve God, and want to cause you to live a better life. So this morning, if you stand with me, if you can, we're going to pray. As soon as I give me a tic-tac. Fun fact, I don't think I've preached without tic-tac's presence in 20 years. I, I can't remember. I thought about it this morning. I stopped over here at the dollar store on the way here. Somebody says, what's this got to do? We're real, right? Stopped over the dollar store and went and got me some Tic Tacs. Orange ones, preferably. What has Holy Spirit been speaking to you about what has God been speaking to you telling you that you need to move forward about and it could be ministry it could be God is calling you to ministry he's calling you to do something in this church he's calling you to do something out in the community that's great it could be some struggles that's going on in your family. It could be a marriage. It could be uh, trouble with your children and how far they are away with God. It could be sickness and disease that's in your body. It could be a loved one that you know that's sick, 
that you love so much? What is it right now that God has been speaking to you and you've had such a hard time to listen over the other voices that have been speaking into your life? What is that? Because today, before you leave this place, you need to cast that voice out. And you need to tell that voice, no more will I listen to you, but I will listen to my God. I will listen to the Holy Spirit, and I will obey Him, whether I know what the circumstance is going to be or not, how the results are going to come out or not. I will listen, and I will obey. Dr. Cho, when he was live, they interviewed him, and they said he's pastor of the largest church back then in the world. They asked him, what's, what's the secret to success? And, you know, they're ready. They're ready to write all this stuff. You know what he said? I pray, I obey. Amen. Come on. It don't take a rocket scientist to listen to the Spirit of God. If I can do it, anybody can do it. A good old country boy from Eastern Kentucky, if I can hear the voice of God, you can hear the voice of God. The problem is sometimes we're so overwhelmed and sometimes, can I just be frank, sometimes we won't shut up enough to listen and to hear what God is saying. A lot of times we don't have a problem praying. We'll go to the Lord, we'll run to the Lord, we'll run to our prayer closet and we'll pray. But then we're like, close that door and we'll run back off. Pray. And then take time to listen. Can I give you a good definition of prayer? It's talking to God. Just like you talk to your wife or you talk to your husband or you talk to one of your kids. Not, not talking to one of your kids. <laughs> But just like you're talking to somebody, talk to God. You know, we, we, we go to church or we watch it on TV and, you know, and we hear all these professional uh, pastors and preachers and they make everything sound so elegant, elegant and so good. You know, we think that it's out of our league. That how, I can't, how, how can I pray like that? Just talk to God the way you talk to your wife. Talk to God the way you talk to your husband or, or a person that you meet out on the streets. You don't need to come with some different vocabulary all of a sudden. He made you. He loves you. He desires to talk to you. Here's the thing. He don't need you, but he wants you. You're the apple of his eye. So this morning... Whatever that voice is, that's not God. You got to be frank with it and just tell it to shut up. That you're going to listen to the Holy Spirit and you're going to obey. And you're going to do. You're going to step out on faith. Because here's the thing: you get step one. Once you step on faith, you get step one. Guess what happens? You'll get step two. Once you do step two. He'll give you step three. If you're waiting to see the whole picture, you're never going to see it because that's not how God operates. He'll, he'll speak to you. He'll give you instructions. And when you do it, he'll give you more instructions. And if we will listen and obey and walk the path that he's told us to walk on, then we'll be successful. And right now in the spirit God showed me this there's somebody here you just said well I, I missed it I got off the path do you know what you do when you get off the path when you started going the wrong way whenever you was at the fork of the road and you went left and you're supposed to go right do you want know to do you go back to the fork of the road and you go on the right path God don't say, oh, you messed up. You took the left path. I'm done with you. I'm through with you. Talk to the hand. That's not how God does it. It's not God. God says, here I am. <laughs> here I am. Walk this path with me. Get on the right path. 
It's one of the first messages I ever preached in my life. It's when you miss it. Go back to where you first missed it and start over. Doesn't mean you're finished. Thank God, or I've been finished a long time ago. I'm telling you. Because we mess up. We make mistakes. But God is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us and to pick us up and dust us off and go with us. So this morning, if you have any need in this house, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with God, if you've never confessed your sins, if you've never had them washed clean with the blood of Jesus, then today is the day for you. Don't wait and don't think, well, once I get things figured out, I'll, I'll give my heart to God. You're never going to get it figured out. Only He can get us right. So if you're here today and you don't have a relationship, you're not saved, you're not born again, you're not a child of God, your sins aren't covered, I don't know how many ways I can put it. This altar is for you. When, you, when we pray here in a minute, I'll ask you, what'd you come for? You say, I come to give my heart to Jesus. And we'll lead you through the salvation prayer, sinner's prayer. And you can have salvation. Next, if you're here and you've been struggling with sickness and disease in your body, or it may be mentally, you're just mentally, you're here today, and there's people here today I know that are mentally exhausted. I mean, you feel like you cannot go another day. And because of that, your body is just about ready to shut down. If that's you here in a minute, whenever we give prayer, uh, opportunity to come up and pray, I want to pray with you. And with God, you can wake up in the wake up in the morning and feel like a teenager again. You say, that's great. I'm, I'm telling you. And then last, but certainly not least, if you're here and you have not been filled with the Holy Ghost, then today is your day. Somebody says, well, I prayed for the Holy Ghost for and I never give up, never quit. One of the main things I love about God is you cannot, as much as people try, you cannot put God in a box. Can't do it. And I, I love that in the Bible you read Jesus, he kept on doing things different. He didn't have a routine. He didn't keep on doing things the same. Remember when he prayed for the person and, and he uh, made he spit in, in the dirt and made mud and put it on the person's eyes? If he did that every time, there'd be churches around here called the first church of the spit and mud. Because we like to get in a routine. We like to have things like boom, boom, boom. It don't go like that. And I found the best churches, spirit-filled churches, that'll let God move. So this morning, if that's you, I'm going to walk down here in front. And you need anything from God that we talked about or maybe something out of miss, we want to pray with you this morning. And if not, then we'll just go home and begin our journey this morning again with what God has for us. So if that's you, you can come on.